Welcome to the Fayetteville Fire Podcast, where we talk about all things fire-related, safety tips, and things that are happening in our can-do city. I'm Don Cheetah, Captain Community Risk Reduction, Fayetteville Fire Department. And I'm Firefighter Demetric Owens, Fire and Life Safety Educator, your host for our podcast. We'd like to thank everybody for joining us. Today we're going to be talking about firefighter health. But before that, did you know last year that there were 151 reported fire deaths in the state of North Carolina? Of these fire deaths, 40% of the houses did not have a working smoke alarm. We're going to talk about that more later in our safety tip of the month. So let's talk about firefighter health. Today joining us is Assistant Chief Adam Ferguson and Battalion Chief Michael Autry. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us, gentlemen. Glad to be here. You know, everybody knows in the fire service to be a firefighter, one of the important things is our physical health. It's a very strenuous job, you know. we got to be strong, good shape, good cardio. But nobody really talks about the mental aspect, the cancer aspect. So that's why we got you gentlemen here today. Is talk, let's talk about the mental, the cancer, the other things that we don't we don't necessarily talk about, and we should be. So you know, statistically, um, suicide rate is higher than actual line of duty deaths when it comes to first responders. You know, looking at last year, we um, we had eighty reported suicides nationwide versus seventy nine line of duty deaths. And of those 80 reported, we're estimating about 60% of those were actually reported. Wow, that's that's sad. that's a lot. And, you know, it's a big thing now in the military with the 22 and everything. But we're, we really haven't addressed it in the fire service that like we should have or in emergency services in general. Yeah, there's a stamina that goes along with uh, counseling and, uh, you know, the whole mental a- health aspect. People just you know say hey uh, you got the we do this is the kind of work we do you know no need to talk about it Uh, we've we've tried to change that atmosphere a lot you know hey it's okay to talk have an open environment if it's bothering you talk to somebody talk to your peers yeah and and that's the thing right the machoism i would say it's been a big culture change because for the longest time you were told hey you got to be okay and now we're teaching people and telling everybody it's okay to not be okay yeah, because, you know, a bunch of us here got a few years under our belt, and it was, you know, suck it up. Suck it up and drive on, right? You know, you, you, you'll be all right. But uh, so what are some of the things that Fayetteville's doing? What are some initiatives we've taken to help this? So, you know, besides our employee assistance program, um, our behavior health or health advocate, in which, you know, we, we provide the numbers for uh, that anyone can ask for, we also do our – Fayetteville Fire Department has a peer support team uh, founded back in 2015. Uh, we also have our chaplains corps, but peer support was just a, a group of us that got together and said, hey, uh, people are not always co- comfortable talking to a counselor or even a chaplain at times. So, hey, how about you know, let's come up with something. Chief challenges would find us some training. We found some training. And um, moving forward, we've developed into a dozen or more peer supporters within the department, in which are, are on call 24-7 most of the time if someone needs them. Uh, we, we hear bad calls sometimes. We'll reach out or we ask them to reach out to us if uh, they need anything. There, there also, uh, there's also something in place uh, for firefighters who uh, or crews who have witnessed uh, something that may have affected them uh, once they get back from that call, correct? Yeah, um, so, you know, 
historically we do what's called a critical incident stress debriefing. Uh, we have what's called a diffusing, uh, which is a little less formal, but debriefings, we can bring in health professionals from the community, EMS, we bring in dispatchers, law enforcement, and basically uh, debriefing comes down to uh, putting a group together, they may not know what you have done on the call, they may be missing a place, uh, somebody's having this disconnect, I don't understand what happened here. So we'll talk about how they feel or what happened during a call a little bit, not within DFL, not to critique a call itself, but to talk about, hey, I didn't know you were in this room doing this at the time. That explains, this gives me the answer I was looking for, because a lot of times people will leave the day and not understand that what was going on during the whole event uh, what each individual would be doing and it helped it's helped answer a lot of questions for people when we do that i've been a part of several of the cisds throughout my career and you know, it's one of those things that it's usually organized and put together by folks who have been through things like that and sometimes it's good just to get together with the crews that experience those with people from the outside to you know have a fresh set of eyes on it and to talk about it and to, it does help at times to get some of that stress out you know, the things that you saw, the talk about it, to help you feel okay about it, even when you don't necessarily feel okay about it. One of the big challenges, I think, though, is, is you know, the critical incident stress GBs for great, and, and, and the peer support team is doing great things. But you got that fireman out there that's seen one of the worst things he's seen in his life. And here comes, no offense, but here comes Chief Autry and a couple guys, and I don't really know him. Hey, I'm good. There, there's another aspect out of that that's really not official, but we have company officers at all of our stations. And I think in today's time, they're having to become more aware of these types of issues and learning that they're getting new firefighters who have never seen things like this. They've never experienced stuff like this. And we do talk to them at times to tell them, hey, these are some of the things that you can look for and help them to you know see what's going on who better to have a pulse on what's going on in their station than the company officer you know it's really easy for them to be close to their guys and comfortable and just check on them and if they do need to go a step further then they can reach out to chief altry or other members of the peer support team or even the chaplain's corps i think first and foremost <clears throat> we're our responders they're you know they're part of us we need to know who they are. We need to know everybody at the station, company officers, battalion chiefs. You know, battalion chiefs' responsibilities, multiple stations. If they're having a rapport with folks ahead of the bad call, then most of the time, if there's something going on, uh, these officers, they'll, they'll talk to them. If the first time you see me is in, a, in official capacity, um, people are kind of reluctant to talk. So we've, we, try to, we try to foster this open conversation before a call ever happens to say, hey, you know, I, I feel comfortable talking to this person because most of the time I, I call it bridging the gap. You know, you go to a bad call and you've been telling me about how you enjoy fishing or you like to play baseball and all of a sudden you're sitting around not sleeping, which is a key thing if you're not sleeping that causes issues. You're not sleeping all of a sudden. I said, well, what did you do yesterday? Well, I just sat around home miserable all day. Well, what would you have been doing on a normal day? Well, I'd, I'd probably been fishing. Well, how about going fishing tomorrow? Yeah. Um, get back into what life is normal. Uh, one thing that we do know is bad things happen to everybody. We seem to catch a lot of that. Someone dials 911, we know it's their worst day. So you know, we need to understand that 
it's by design that's what we do. However, we also need to remember that hey, we've got to get on with our lives and what we need to bri- peer support helps bridge some of those gaps sometimes by just conversations. If we're not counselors, we maybe just say, hey, let's find a routine that's normal and healthy. All right, and I can speak to that uh, personally, Chief. Um, and where you say and uh, you need to know your guys, uh, somebody may have kids such as myself and a call may affect them differently than it, it would uh, one of the other uh, crew members that uh, doesn't have children, especially if you were running a call um, with children that are close to their uh, crew, the, that are close to your child's own age. Uh, my captain asked me if, if I was okay with a, a call before just to, to check on me, knowing my, my background and uh, it really helps to know who's on your crew and know your guys and have that open line of communication. Yeah, just that simple exchange between you and your captain, you knowing that he asked about you just to check on you, probably made you feel a world better. Yeah, definitely. And and it it all goes back to the the family at the firehouse. You know, if if you got that interaction, you know your people, whether you're a captain knowing a fireman or firemen know the fireman, a lieutenant, whatever. You know, you know we always put the captain up top, but. It's also the firemen and lieutenants recognizing the character changes in in their leadership. Yeah, this can come so, from anybody. Yeah, yeah. Firehouse is very much like the family. Being you know, we laugh some of our most important decisions of the day or what's for dinner, uh, but also some of our most important conversations, just like with any family or around the dinner table. So you know, as firefighters all the way up the rank if you get that opportunity to sit down at the dinner table you usually can tell if something's bugging someone you can you know you get to know them uh, we get to know each other a lot different than the typical eight to five 40 hour a week because we live together you know we know if someone snores we know a lot of things you know because of our our work uh, history Talk, of how talking we did. or sleep yeah. all night yeah. And yeah. sleepwalking <laughs> yeah for sure for sure so we we have those opportunities and sometimes you know when we see things one of the things that always comes to me is there's something three or four back things events not necessarily calls was there something in the background that hey did I miss something you know what something's going on with someone we all have things going on in our lives you know we we live here 24 hours and our families you know, I say I always had a running joke that um, you, 24 hours you either have a great marriage or you have a bad marriage. <laughs> you know, uh, and just depending on what you want to you know, see from that. Um, and you know, very thankful I've been married the entire time I'm here to the same person. So, nominally, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, but those things happen. They're stress. You know, we go on bad calls. I have three sons. All three sons uh, know my quirks. I, I can tend to have those stressors. I see things happen. My wife knows I hate can- candles. So uh, those things they have to either tolerate or we have to discuss at home. But sometimes they come back to the fire station. One of the promises of the company officer is that I will never let my family business inter- interfere with work. We know that's wrong. We know that you have a family, that you have things that are going to go on. I know that, you know, Firefighter Owens has four children. I know that he has times and that are going to be challenging. We, we need, that's a key part of our mental health is that we understand each other. Uh, we're all from different backgrounds. So. Yeah. And we talked about the bad call leading up and honor people for the bad call. But even before we get to the bad call, 
just knowing your people so if they had a bad day before they come into work. I mean, because, you know, we're 24 hours at work, 24 hours off, another 24 hours at work, and that can be real stressful on a family. So, you know, you might not have had bad call months, but just noticing them behavioral changes, maybe something's going on. Chief Hodge, you reminded me of a, of a time there at Station 14. We had a guy, I think he had something going on at home, and the lieutenant was ranting about it and said, you got to leave that stuff at the door when you come to work. And we both looked at him and said, you of all people ain't ever left anything at home when you come to work. <laughs> yeah, it goes it goes both ways because we are it does. We, we got two families. We got our fire family and That's correct. And, and you can't check it at the door. You've got to communicate both ways. It, bottling it up going out, going home is gonna affect your home life. Bottling it up coming into work is gonna affect your work life. Absolutely. You gotta learn how to work with it. And and I like what you said about uh the dinner table. I know as we've gotten younger as a department, uh, newer age, people with different diets and everything, the whole eating together, making big meals is kind of something that's fell by the wayside in a traditional fire service. But I know one thing when I was a captain that I really wanted was, hey, I don't care. You can eat whatever you want. I don't care. But let's all sit at dinner table together because that's really when we get time to just talk. All and right. there are stations that successfully do that. I had one when I was still battalion chief that did that exact thing. We had several folks on their own diets, but they always made sure that they come together at the table and ate together. And that, I think that makes a huge difference. If you see a company that eats together, they're, they're worlds above everybody else. Does that camaraderie. Yep. Yeah, and, and have that young fireman, that fireman that feels like you don't fit in. We even it, fixed Chief Ferguson green beans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorites. Yeah, one of the, one of the other things that you know, and this this ties back to the mental health just as much is is cancer. Twenty twenty six years ago when I got hired, nobody talked about cancer. There was no statistics. So, you know, now we're getting into an age, and these young kids are coming in and stuff. And you know, Chief Ferguson, you can elaborate a little bit on. So the cancer thing, it's been around a long time, just like you know it, but it was one of those deals where we weren't talking about it. We didn't recognize it as being related to the job. And then when we started to recognize it as being related to the job, the more research that was done, the more they realized, oh, wow, this is big. And then it got to where you couldn't open up a magazine, you couldn't read an online article about firefighting without them talking about cancer and firefighters. And we were being affected by it in our own department before we even realized that there was an issue. So if you go back to just in the time that I've been here, 2007, 2009, 11, 13, 17, and then 22 most recently, we've lost firefighters to cancer that were actually active on the department. And that's not even counting the ones that you know, was here before that and then's retired. So it's absolutely affecting the fire service, and it's affected us. And, you know, 7, 9, 11... 2007, 2009, 2011, and those that passed, it was, you know, they got cancer. Yeah. Everybody, some people get cancer, they got cancer. But talk about some of the research that's gone on that, that's kind of brought this to light. So when I first started, got involved in this and first started looking at the firefighter cancer thing, you could just do a quick Google search, open any magazine and read about it. And there is hundreds, if not thousands of studies out there linking firefighters to cancer now. And it doesn't matter which one you read, they're all saying the same thing, that firefighters have a much greater risk of cancer than the general public does. They all point to that, and specifically certain types of cancer. 
Yeah, what t- what types of cancer? I was going to ask you, is it just any cancer you get or there's no, certain... So, so obviously your overall cancer risk is much greater, but we do have some that top the list, including testicular, mesothelioma, multiple myeloma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, skin cancer, malignant myeloma, brain cancer, um, prostate cancer, colon cancer, and leukemia. Those are just some of the ones that top the list. Wow, that's that's a pretty good yeah. size list. That's a lot. And have they, in this research, have they identified why firemen are getting these certain types more often than the general population? So basically, if you look at it, and there's several different avenues of this, but in some of the research that we had done and then pointing some things together, so firefighters tend to get exposed to stuff greater in certain areas. And if you're looking at a firefighter that's wearing all their current turnout gear, their air pack and everything, you would think that it protects you from everything. And it does fire-wise, but then you get the smoke and the particulates that are making its way through certain parts of your gear. And it just so happens that uh, through a particulate penetration study that was done several years ago in a firefighter wearing all their current gear, if you looked at the millions of ultraviolet, ultraviolet particles that were inside the sealed container with a firefighter in their gear, they were basically making it up their pants and collecting on their body around their waist and groin area. They're actually making it up under their coat and collecting up around their armpits and their waist and their chest. And then where the firefighter's hood goes around between their mask and their neck and coat area, that was another hot spot that a lot of the stuff was gathering up on the, the particulates that can be cancerous. So does anybody know where the most absorbent parts of your body are? Probably all them areas you just Them named. areas, your <laughs> groin area, your armpits, your neck, those areas that you sweat the most. Those are the areas that's most absorbent. And then if you look at that list of some of those cancers we talked about that are most common with firefighters, where are those areas at? Wow. Some of those exact same areas. So you take the places on your body that are most absorbent, just so happen to be where the majority of the particulates are gathering at on your body, and just so happens to be also where some of the most common cancers in firefighters are at. I mean, it's like, wow, how can you not connect that together? Wow. And for years we hadn't. And for and for years we hadn't. So what? Talk about some of the things that Fayetteville. What we've we done as an organization to help help this. So Fayetteville, if you go back about a decade, we started trying to do some things, and we had what I called several failures to launch. We had some initiatives, we put out some information, but I wouldn't say we ever had a culture change. Nothing really grabbed a hold and nothing really changed until about 2016 and then really actually 2017 is where it really took off so again we had some folks get together we compiled some information but we looked at it a little bit differently we like we need to educate our folks and so we come up with this cancer prevention initiative that was put out as education and actually we we educated the entire department on it through multi-company evolutions about hey this is what the firefighter cancer is this is why and this is what we can do differently talking about decon talking about changing our gear changing our uniforms basically just being cleaner and making sure we're taking care of ourselves after the fire and so we educated folks we come out with some new initiatives and then since then we've actually made sure we've educated every single fire academy since 2017 uh, it's happened to every single academy. I've actually been a part of that, so we're still doing that. Uh, in 2019, we were actually able to get 300 sets of turnout gear at, all at once to make sure that every single firefighter had a second set of turnout gear. Uh, this past year, we actually completed the uh, project as far as putting extractors in all of the fire stations. We, The only fire station right now 
that doesn't have it is 16 and it's only because it's a temporary station. So it's easier to wash your turnout gear. It's easier to uh, switch out to a second set of gear. We're making sure that our folks are able to decon while they're on the scene to reduce those particulates and the carcinogens that are on their bodies. And we're educated to folks. They go back, they take showers. The education is there. If they're not taking advantage of it, then, you know, that's a, we need to re-educate some. And that's, you know, that's a big thing from when I started. So we get back from a fire call now. There's no reason to put dirty turnout gear on for a second call. There's no reason to put a dirty hood on. Yeah. You talked about gear extractors. If For those of you out there listening to us don't understand, they're specialized type wash machines that are designed to take these particulates out of our turnout gear, get it, get them nice and clean. It's that spin speed that really does it to help extract the bad stuff from your gear. Yeah, I think looking back when Chief Ferguson and them first done their presentations, the conversations at the station, like hoods, uh, we talk about our protective hoods. Uh, we started getting two hoods. That was one of the first things that we kind of started moving into. I'd get from a fire call, smutty, first thing, sweaty. I sweat bad. So i uh, take my hood, wipe my face off with it. It's all full of particulate. So the culture change and what we starting to do, a gross decon on the fire scene, little things that we started doing did not bring it back. You know, not walking through the fire station with your gear on. Things that we've seen change um, that that hopefully will eventually make more impact on reducing uh, those type uh, illnesses. Yeah, and one of the uh, things we always said throughout this is we can do better. And we are doing better, but there's always room to do better than what we're currently doing. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, it's uh, some of us older guys back in the day, there was no hoods to even wear and we didn't yeah. worry about it. But, but the goal is to educate as we go forward and keep doing better. So maybe our kids or our grandkids that choose to be firefighters won't have to suffer through these same things. Yeah. If you think about it, as we've been a, a fire department for a long time and our folks have been exposed to stuff for a long time. We didn't really start trying to do better with the cancer prevention initiative until you know 2016 to 17 was written. We really started doing better. So have we been doing better long enough to really make a difference yeah unfortunately the answer is probably not but we're trying to make a difference now for the future yeah i can speak to uh being a younger guy um i didn't see the change over but uh just the information that in the initiatives that the department's put out has been a great help um, i'm thankful for it uh the information uh i've been on the department for five years now so i'm still a, a younger guy but um Cancer initiative is uh, is a, a, a great. You great. go back ten years ago and you ask somebody, "What's the number one killer of firefighters?" Everybody said heart attacks. That's not the case. Nah. It was cancer. And, and now the legislation, at least in North Carolina, state legislation is getting involved. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so, unfortunately, we were actually one of the states to kind of come in on the tail end of that. A lot of states had some presumptive cancer legislation and benefits that were out there for firefighters with cancer well before we did. I remember when it was like half the states had something, then it was 33, and then it was a little bit more. And actually, North Carolina came in on the end of that, which fortunately, now we do have some presumptive cancer legislation. So there's a couple different things that's passed, and one of them is actually, basically, if you're a firefighter and you die of one of these six types of cancer, which was the mesothelioma, testicular cancer, cancer of the small intestine, esophageal cancer, oral cavity cancer, or pharynx, then basically it would be considered to be a line of duty death. 
So we used to didn't have that, and there was actually very few cases in North Carolina of, of firefighters that passed away that was actually ruled a line of duty death. There was only two big ones that stood out to me, and those were both Asheville Fire Department, where they were actually able to prove and link the cancer back to being a firefighter, and they actually were ruled line of duty deaths. And then we have another one that took a place at the beginning of last year, which is actually basically run through the um, Office of the State Fire Marshal's Office, which basically provides some benefits to firefighters, including volunteers, if they were to be diagnosed with cancer. It's currently a pilot program, but it basically provides some benefits, such as, a, a I think it was a $25,000 lump sum if you were diagnosed with one of the types of cancers that they consider. And then as, it also goes on to provide some medical reimbursement. So fortunately, North Carolina has kind of jumped on board with some of the other states and provided some benefits and stuff that's out there for our folks if they were to be diagnosed with cancer. And in line of duty death, it's a big designee because like I always told my wife, I'm worth a lot more if I die in the fire on duty than I do if I'm at home. Yeah. <laughs> right. But uh, gentlemen, I want to thank you both for joining us today. Um, always a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Great information. So let's go into our safety talk in a month. I brought up that last year, 151 reported fire deaths in the state of North Carolina. Out of these, only 40% did not have a working smoke alarm. That's three out of every five that that died had a smoke alarm. Two out of five died, no smoke alarm. For such a small object or a small uh, material thing that, you know, that doesn't cost a lot. A little bit of things about smoke alarms, 25 to 30% of all homes do not have a working smoke alarm. Um, you know, prior to 1990, if you're living in a house that's older than 1990, you got smoke alarms that only operate by batteries. Every 10 years, you got to change the entire smoke alarm out. For you folks that are in the, these newer houses, you know, post-1990, late 1990s, early 2000, um, your smoke alarms are designed. They're in every room. They're in all your common areas, and they're all interconnected. They're there for a reason. So if you're not in one part of the house, enters a fire, all the alarms will go off, and, and you'll be alerted to it. So we can't emphasize enough, folks, to uh, get out and uh, get your smoke alarms replaced. Replace them properly. Now, we do have a program in, in uh, Fayetteville Fire Department, a smoke alarm program. Um, if you'd like, you can go to our bravethefire.com, um, fill out a little questionnaire, and we'll come out and do a home safety survey and make sure you got working smoke alarms. Also, you can uh, call the number 910-433-1730 and uh, schedule a smoke alarm request as well. And the main thing in the Fayetteville Fire Department, we just don't want you to lay your head down at night without working smoke alarm. We don't want to be one of the statistics. And join us for our next podcast. We're going to talk about the Fayetteville Fire Department's hazmat team. Thank you for joining us on the Fayetteville Fire Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Radio Fayetteville on our favorite streaming platforms to listen to all of our podcasts.